Do you know this riff? Yes, I am from planet Earth. I'm familiar with the riff. Welcome to the perfect album side. One idea, six songs, infinite possibilities. This is the perfect album side. Welcome back, everybody. My name is Steve. His name is Wakefield. And uh, we're still doing that. Weldon? Okay. Wyndham. Wyndham is right. I got it. The third time's the charm. Uh, welcome. It's not helping that I laugh at that. Like, it doesn't help my case that I laugh at that. Wakefield, not bad. My favorite part is that your friends who listen to the podcast now make fun of you because of that. And I'd like that to continue. Yeah, this so, is great. Yeah. Get used to it. Yeah. End of podcast. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Um, welcome to the Perfect Album Side podcast. Uh, good to see you, as always, Wyndham. Uh, glad you're here. Man, I'm glad to be here. You know I love being in the studio, man. I told you, which I don't say often, often enough, I told you when I sat down at the mic... I'm excited to be in the studio, and I'm excited for the podcast today. All right. Let's get into Uh, it. That Um, that worked. (laughs) uh, Before I talk about today, we want to mention real quick, last week we talked about the music of Athens, Georgia. Uh, One of my favorite episodes we've done, you know, again, thanks to Michael Winger from Day Room for for joining us. I did want to point out that, that we forgot to talk about one artist who is an Athens staple, an Athens legend. Uh, and I meant to talk about him, but forgot to mention Vic Chestnut last week. And I would be remiss if I did not say we did not forget about Vic. Yeah, and and I forgot about him too. Um, Vic Chestnut probably predates the REM craze, the Pylon craze, the B fifty two craze. And what an what an amazing story he has. Uh, but yes, an Athens staple, an Athens icon. May he rest in peace. All right, this week... Uh, I've we, got something. Oh, I've got a little fun exercise. Wait a minute. Before we get started. Stop the presses. That's right. It's Rock and Roll Hall of Fame induction time. Oh Stone boy. Cold. Oh, boy. And you know this time of year... It's your favorite time of year. It is my favorite. It's the most exciting time of the year. I'm going to throw out some names. So I'm going to give you a list of nominees. And I Gordon, want you, Weldon, Wakefield, yes, Winston. Those. Those I, types of names. I'm going to give you some names. I want you to tell me if you think they should be in... The Rock Hall or not? That's a lot of pressure on well, just, just me. I just want to know what your thoughts are. Okay. Commence. Pat Benatar. Absolutely. Why the hell is she not already in? I'm angry already just at this list. Yes. The fact that she's not in there upsets me. There's yes, a, she will be in after this. There's event. a couple of those on this list. No. Devo. No. Duran Duran. Yes. Eurythmics. Absolutely. Judas Priest. Yeah. Rage Against the Machine. Mm, only yes or no will suffice. Ah. Mm, I, I, that's a tough one for me. Okay. Uh, k- k- pass, pass. Pass, okay. Lionel Richie. Of course. Carly Simon. Yes. Dolly Parton. I'm in a very liberal mood, apparently. I'm letting everybody in. Dolly Parton, hell yeah. Yes. Dolly Parton, yes, they should be in. Uh, I mean, almost every name that you name, I was instantly yes, except for, you know, to me, Devo. But, you know, maybe I don't know, know enough about Devo or Rage Against the Machine. There's a couple on these, a couple on here I didn't list. Uh, Eminem. He should be in there one day. Is is he a first ballot kind of guy? I don't know. Judas Priest? I said yes. You, I said that one. Okay. Yeah. New York Dolls. 
I mean, they, they set the stage, no pun intended, but they set the stage for a, for a lot of other bands uh, on that glam scene. Well, Kiss, especially. Yeah. I mean, I, that um, Kiss documentary, they say, we want it to be them. Right. That's what I'm saying. They, they, you know, they kind of carved out the way. Are they rock and roll Hall of Fame material? I don't know. Well, Dionne Warwick? I mean, I want to say yes. Okay. Tribe Called Quest. Last one. No. Okay. Yeah, it's coming up, and it's interesting always to see because I'm reminded as I look at this list, like Pat Benatar, Eurythmics, they should be in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Dolly Parton, is that a joke? Well, when you said Lionel Richie, I thought you were kidding. Lionel Richie. Uh, He's he's, already in there as a Commodore. He he has to be, right? Wait, you know the Commodores? I'm familiar. Yeah, it's always interesting to see who's not in. And next year... I I just got that joke. (laughs) Sorry, took me a second. Uh, Next year, it'll be a whole new list of people that I'll say, they're not in the... The Hall of Fame? That's ridiculous, but we're not here to do that. We're here to do something else, Stone Cold. Tell us what we're doing today. We are going to be discussing or building the perfect album side of the most iconic guitar riffs from the 1980s. 1980s guitar riffs, the most iconic, not my favorite, not your favorite, the most iconic worldwide that everyone instantly recognizes that song from the 80s because of this awesome guitar riff. Yeah, uh, that's not how this topic started. No, we originally said, let's just do guitar riffs. And then we were like, well, 60 years of rock and roll, give or take a few. Um, That list is going to be too big, and it was an impossible uh, task. Yeah, and and I think when we were going back and forth in some show prep kind of conversations, we said that the 80s was a really hard decade, because we were doing it 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s. We were doing the best riff of each decade. Right. And then we got to, I think, the 70s and 80s, and we're like, well, there's a, there's a bazillion for yeah. each of those decades. So we changed it. And what's interesting about this is, you know, my guitar riffs that I selected for my perfect album side, they're not all picking. Some are chords. Um, and some of the songs that I chose, the riff is not the first thing you hear, but it's, the, it's what you know. Yeah, I think for most of these songs, I would say 11 out of 12 probably, you know, it's going to be the first thing you hear. Or it's going to be the very beginning of the song. It's the intro to the song. It's the hook. It what, it's what gets people excited. That opening riff. Uh, and we, we identified the most iconic ones. Yeah, I think we did. Um, I think the riffs that well, I have... I have no idea what's on yours, but I'm pretty damn sure that I did. Yeah, I think on mine, everybody knows. And there's a couple of these. All it takes is one single note. And you know yeah. exactly what that is. I'm ready to get going. We decided to put structure around it like we've been doing recently. It's not just going to be the, the six most iconic. We put a little bit of structure. For example, the first category we said, okay, let's take the best riff from a debut album. An album that would, de- you know, an artist that debuted in the 80s, the best riff off of a debut album. The second one, you know, the 80s, a lot of guitar rock from the 80s was driven by hair bands. I hate to use that phrase, it's silly, but. We said, let's do one. Uh, the, the best riff by a hairband. The best riff by a solo artist and or his or her guitarist. Uh, the best riff that was a number one single. Uh, the best riff from a guitarist who is no longer with us, or as we called it, the dead guitarist category. <laughs> and last but not least, a wild card. Gotta Just, have a wild card. Yeah, I yeah. mean, you and I are both wild cards. Gotta have one on the perfect album side, Stone Cold. I don't know what that means. All right. The very first category the best riff, the most iconic, I'm not going to use the word best, the most iconic riff off of a debut album. Uh, I debated between three or four, but ultimately, to me, 
off of a debut album, this was the most iconic riff. Absolutely iconic riff. I mean, there, there's no other way to say it. Um, it's and it's one of my favorites. You know, I always yeah. like to, to get the cards out on the table. I love Guns N' Roses. I love this song and that opening right there, that hook, that riff. Everyone on the planet knows it instantly, and everybody knows it not just because it's also on my perfect album side. No, did you choose the same one? The same one. Easy. We I mean, both this went "Sweet Child of Mine" easily. We, we, we didn't talk about... I, how do we forget this every single I week? I wanted to say it because I figured this would... I, 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 this was the only one I knew we would have the same. Wow. Okay. So now, overlap. The, okay. It's on the perfect album side. It's, it's the most iconic This is a one-note riff. riff. You know it. You hear one note. You know this song. Period. Yeah. Um, right. Now, what's interesting, and I know this is yours, and I don't want to steal thunder. Uh, we it talked is. about before that iconic riffs or riffs in, the, in guitar that we know that come from just playing around. This was Slash trying to make drummer Steven Adler laugh, and I don't know if he saw this, but he was playing what he called a circus riff, just warming up his fingers a little bit. Izzy Stradlin said, do that again. He put some chords behind it. Duff McKagan said, I'm all in. And lo and behold, here we, here's what we have. Um, E-flat, Stone Cold. Tuned down a little bit, but it's E-flat. I and feel like who knew this would be that iconic? This is maybe the second or third time on the Perfect Album Side podcast where we've talked about somebody warming up their instrument and that became a hook. Uh, uh, Life in the Fast Lane by the Eagles is the exact same thing. Dust in the Wind by Kansas. There you go. Dust in the Wind, Life in the Fast Lane, and Sweet Child of Mine all came from finger exercises to get warmed up. Yeah. And somebody else in the band went, hey, that's that's pretty cool. What yeah, is right. that? And, and all of a sudden, it's their biggest hit for, for Kansas. You know, Life in the Fast Lane, a huge hit for the Eagles, and Sweet Child of Mine for Guns N' Roses all came from warm-up techniques. Very cool. Debut record, 18 million, or excuse me, 18 times platinum. Biggest selling debut album ever. Am I right? I'm close. It's it's top three or four. Uh, and seventh best selling album ever. Um, i tell you what I liked about this and why I think this is so cool. I like the video where it starts off with Slash and the... Speaking of iconic, the iconic... The bandana. The bandana, but the hat. Yeah, yeah, that's right. The, the signature hat, hat bandana. playing the Sunburst Les Paul. Uh, he's, got the, he's got the jean jacket on over the, over the leather jacket. I mean, it's just cool. You know, that's, that's what you want to look like when you're playing a song like this. But easily, instantly recognizable. And, I mean, I, I knew this was going to be on your perfect album side. It had to be. Yeah, I mean... And there are several good riffs on that album, yeah. Um, but you know, this one to me is the most iconic. You, like you said, one note, and everyone on on the planet knows what song we're talking about. Yep. Um, Guitar World magazine put it at number thirty-seven on the one hundred greatest guitar solos, not the riff, but here, here we comes go. the solo as we speak. Um, but yeah, Guitar World thirty-seven out of the top one hundred. Uh, also came in at number three on Blender's 500 Greatest Songs Since You Were Born and number 198 on Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs of All Time. Well, I know that list, that 500, has yeah. been revised since, but I got to tell you, I think that's way low for this song. 
uh, way low. Well, you mean I it's, think it should be a yeah. higher higher. It should ranked. be higher than one ninety eight. It's a great song. It's a great song. I mean, we say that about every song that's mentioned from that. We might list, be a little biased because we're both big Guns and Roses fans. But yeah, yeah, a, a tremendous song. Uh, you know, the world gets introduced to a guitar god. Yep. Of Slash, when the world needed one the most. I mean, think about it. Page was kind of out of the game. Clapton was still around. He still had he still had Journeyman coming out, but I mean it wasn't in his prime. Sorry, Brian, Brian May had kind of Brian know. May. Jimi Hendrix was gone. So when when rock needed a new guitar god to keep that going, steps in the man with the top hat. Hello, my name is Slash. What a cool name. Uh, yeah, I mean I think this particular riff it, it's different from a lot of the the other riffs. I I bet we're going to talk about today. It's it's played way down on the fretboard. Uh, you know some of those higher notes. It's, it's, yeah. You know, I think you rattled off the the, the key was in earlier. Um, yeah, it's, I mean, a, a very signature of a lot of Guns N' Roses song, tuned down half step. Right. It's played in E flat, and it's, it, I mean, you know it as soon as you hear it. Again, going back to it, it's a one note. It's a one note riff. You the, know it instantly. The bridge that we just heard. That I was reading about the writing. You know, of of the rest of the the song, and they're like, we came up with a bridge. And they weren't really sure what to do with it. And they, there was a recording of Axel just kind of saying into the mic, well, where do we go now? Where do we go now? Where do we go now? And I, and I think it was Izzy that was like, that's the line. Yeah. Where do we go now? <laughs> so that worked its way in. Sweet Child of Mine slash the opening of Sweet Child of Mine made my Perfect Album Side debut album riff. It also made your debut album riff. Hence, it is on the perfect album side. Yeah, and I think what uh, I think what we're going to find, and I'll be interested to see if you agree with this, the riff makes the song. In this case, the riff makes the song. Yes. Well, I mean, a lot of the song. Yeah, I mean, the riff is is played throughout the song. Um, the whole song is based on that piece. I guess what I'm asking is, is would this song be as huge of a success if it wasn't for that? No hook. No, of course okay. not. That's what I'm asking. Yeah, that that riff is so iconic and such an amazing hook to pull you into a song. Yeah, uh, it's a great song, but it does not go on to the massive fame that it did without that hook. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Phenomenal, and and not a surprise that we uh, that we picked it again. That famous, so many things famous about Slash: the hat. You're talking about the bandana, the hair, the sunglasses, and the signature sunburst Les Paul. You know, some of the people we may talk about today have those signature. Instruments. Yes. We're going to talk about that, I bet, before it's over. The next category was the best riff by a, quote, hairband, unquote. Uh, this one's yours. Oh, and I get to start. You get to go first. Yeah, I, I debated. This one was tough. Um, I saw a, a number of different uh, options for, to go down for hairband riff. But honestly, I chose this song for, for one particular reason. And I'm going to go ahead and get it started, Stone Cold. Oh, it's just setting the stage, Stone Cold. Some harmonics there to set the tone. that famous walk down in D minor Stone Cold it's unforgettable wanted dead or alive that could be a signature riff right there 
Bon Jovi. That's 1986 Stone Cold, Slippery When Wet, intro riff, power ballad riff, whatever. It qualifies for all of them. Now, the main riff, what we're talking about here is not the first thing you hear in the song. No, it's got the keyboards and the wind It's got the harmonics, it's got the wind. Right. You hear some harmonics in there, but that walk down in D minor is just unforgettable. And the reason why I chose this is because the version on Slippery When Wet is amazing. But as we've talked about on the Perfect Album Side podcast before... This is the song that launched MTV Unplugged. We, yeah, we talked about that, the, the, the performance that they did at the 1989 Video Music Awards, and a, a lot of people have said, you know, hey, we, they stole the idea from basically from Bon Jovi. Now, like I said, you know, in, in our podcast months ago, uh, MTV has denied that and said, no, we were already in production. But yeah, the night they played this song... Uh, at the 89 Video Music Awards changed everything for acoustic music making its way back into rock and roll. Yeah, reversioning music from an acoustic perspective. I would I, I don't argue MTV may have had something in the works. This is what this is a marketing piece. The riff itself, the opening part that it's played by both Richie Sambora and John Bon Jovi, originally written by Richie Sambora. John Bon Jovi comes back in with the chords and writes the rest of the song and the lyrics. And I know all this because it is also on my perfect ah, album song. Ah, you vixen. In this category. Yes. That's incredible. We're two for two. Uh-oh. Ooh, no, boy. Nothing to be worried about. I don't think we're going to overlap all the way through. We, uh, we did not put an over-under. I was going to say the over-under is one, and I, we are already I, at two. I would have said three. That's what I usually go with. But interestingly enough, the song is influenced by Bob Seger. Turn the page. You know this. I do. And what I thought was so cool, John, ba- John Bon Jovi said the song was written because they themselves, as a band, were a young band of thieves, okay? Riding into town, stealing music, girls and booze, before the sun comes up. I kind of feel like that's you and I are the same way. Yeah, I've often felt that way. One of the cool things I learned about it was they were originally going to call this album Wanted, Dead or Alive, and they did a whole photo shoot based on this country western cowboy theme and that was going to be the the album cover yeah and then kind of last minute they're like no screw that and change the name you know to girls and boobs and all that other stuff when they were at a strip club and said slippery when wet's the name and they did the uh the album cover in about five minutes they just wrote on a black trash bag slippery when wet and took a picture of it that's the album cover but they had already spent all this money doing a cowboy photo shoot incredible uh, Richie Sambora you know, said, you know, he wrote this particular piece of music and that riff because of the fact that everything that was on the radio and everything on his album, you know, on Bon Jovi's previous three albums, or previous two plus this one, was all electric. And he's like, why don't we do something with an acoustic? Came up with that riff and boom, Wanted Dead or Alive was born. And, it, you know, one again, one of their signature hits, one of the top two or three by Bon Jovi. Um, now... Hairband qualification here. Well, as I said at the beginning, I I hate that phrase. Um, this is a rock and roll band. I mean, they are. They yeah. just happen to have the big hair in 1987, well, but, but then again, I, so did every other band. A lot of those bands. I mean, I think of Cinderella. Cinderella's a rock band. But straight they up, got big straight hair. Straight up blues-based rock band, but they wore lipstick and had hair. Yeah. yeah. Um, and The Crew. Motley Crew. I mean, yeah, uh, that's a heavy metal band, or at yeah. least they were. Right. Um, but yeah, you throw some lipstick and some Aquanet on and boom, hairband. Incredible. 
That's so all it takes. I, I can't believe we have gone two for two. I really am kind of floored. I did not think that you were going to pick up on Wanted Dead or Alive because it doesn't start the song. It's 30 seconds in probably, and it's acoustic, and it's not some driving, rocking thing. No, but, but it kicks ass. This song just about, just about has everything I'm looking for. Now, power ballad, yes or no? Uh, no, it's not a ballad. Okay, fair. It's, it's powerful, but it's not a ballad. I think, to me, the intro riff that we just talked about, that main riff, but also the guitar solo, where Sambora just starts to wail. I I think the combination of all that is makes this song exceptional. And of course, I mean this is this t- stood the test of time. This will go on forever. This song um, in the '90s, like maybe '95, '96 time frame, Bon Jovi played on Saturday Night Live. You know, we're talking nine, ten years after this song has come out. Mm-hmm. And you know, on Saturday Night Live, they always play two songs. So they played whatever their their single was at that time uh, in 1995. Uh, I'll try and find the video for you, but they also played Wanted, like, you know, for the first time in 10 years on Saturday Night Live. And the guitar solo that Sam Bora pulls off that night is the stuff of legend. We got to find that and we got to post it to social. It's, it's freaking ridiculous. That's awesome. I yeah. got to see this. Uh, but I agree that that guitar solo in that song is amazing. But the riff at the beginning, one of the most iconic riffs of all time, you know, when you think about the time frame of, again, hair bands and all that stuff in 1986, 87. To pull out a twelve-string acoustic and go, do 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 do. Yeah, know, that's. And I think at some point, maybe the acoustic version, he plays the double neck, oh, uh, which is which is quite sexy. Stone Cold, Wanted Dead or Alive makes my perfect album side for hairband riff. It makes my perfect album side. Hence, it is hence on the, the perfect, perfect album, album side. side. Um, I guess it's my turn. I don't know. Yeah, I'll lob it back to you if we're going to do this. Uh, I think we. I think we divert here. This was the solo artist. Riff by a solo artist. Uh, I'm going to play mine. Well, assuming I can find it, I'm going to play it. Stevie Ray frickin' Vaughn. From his, from his debut album in 1983... Uh, Texas Flood Iconic riff I, I don't have a whole lot to say about this Other than it's f- freaking awesome Yeah, we just talked about this Recently because of his collaboration With uh, David Bowie On the Musical Cameos episode Of the Perfect Downside Podcast that, that record, that collaboration Came out, the Let's Dance record Came out right before Texas Flood came out uh, I This is not on my Perfect Album Side But boy, it was and maybe not for this category. The, the, that's something we should bring up. Is we, we 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 identified six categories. Some of these guitar riffs could have fit in multiple categories. Uh, for example, yes, this is a solo artist, but Stevie Ray Vaughan is no longer with us. Yep, could have also been in the dead guitarist category. Yep, you know there are multiple uh, categories. Debut album riff. This one could have also fit that one. It's yep. his debut album, uh, debut solo album, and uh, I mean, what a way to open up. A career, yeah, and and an iconic riff, and again, another song that is excellent the way it is on Texas Flood. But as we talked about on our MTV Unplugged episode, he plays this on his MTV Unplugged performance, and it's amazing. The other great place to find this song is on 1983's Austin City, City Limits. Limits. Stevie Ray Vaughan, it's. It's phenomenal. I can only imagine he's played Austin City Limits more than once. Yeah, I think he played in 83 and again in 89. I think in, in 83, he was still 
boozing it up pretty heavily and, and, and drugging it up. But by, I think, 89, he had cleaned up his act, and he, he looks like a different person. Than he's- well, those Austin City Limits performances by him are amazing. And, and you and I have seen this. We've kind of thrown a couple of clips back and forth to each other. The clip of him breaking a guitar in the middle of a performance and changing guitars in the middle Break, of a performance. Breaking, yeah, he, yes, he breaks a string, switches guitars, never skips a beat. Never it's, skips it's, a beat. It's amazing. It's but ludicrous. This is a really great uh, selection. Like I said, it almost made my perfect album side. Um, but you can't argue with this. Uh, it, kind of a Texas shuffle. It's 12-bar blues, uh, E in the key of E. Signature uh, but, Stratocaster. But, but similar to Guns N' Roses, it's tuned down a half step, uh, so it's actually an E flat. Um, you, what you just said, Signature Stratocaster. I mean, when you think of Stevie Ray Vaughan, there's only one guitar you can see in his hand forever. I mean, except for the one the time he had to switch guitars mid-song. <laughs> but I mean... And, I think and, he still plays a Strat on that. I think they put a Strat in his hands. Well, no, he's dead. No, no, no. I, except when he broke the string, I think he still played a strat on the other <laughs> okay. side. Yes, he is dead. Yes, he does not play it anymore. Um, this was released as a single. It hit number 20 on the Billboard Mainstream Rock Chart. Again, the Austin City Limits performance of 83 is straight up ridiculous. Uh, it was played, this song was played posthumously uh, at the 2015 Rock and Roll Hall of Fame uh, with his, with uh, performed with Doyle Bram. Gary Clark, John Mayer, and uh, and Double Trouble, his brother Jimmy Vaughn, uh, played it in his honor at his Rock and Roll Hall of Fame induction. Stevie Ray Vaughan, pride and joy, solo artist riff. I, I tip my hat. Um, he's been on the Perfect Album Side podcast before, which is amazing. But I love that song, and everything about it's incredible. And what a great way to introduce the world to your abilities than playing Pride and Joy like Stevie Ray Vaughan did. Like you said, I mean, he there was already some buzz around him. He'd been playing with Double Trouble for you know several years in the late seventies. Then he's on David Bowie's record, like we've talked about. But all of a sudden, boom! Texas Flood, nineteen eighty three, solo album, and what a debut! What a debut is absolutely right. And I'm I'm actually going to pull up the twenty fifteen Rock and Roll Hall of Fame induction. I want to see that with Mayer and Gary Clark Jr. Uh, I love Gary Clark Jr. as a guitarist, and and Mayer as we talked about a little bit underrated, but. Excellent selection, Stone Cold. What is your song for best riff from a solo artist? I'm going back to the well. I'm going to dance with the date that got me here, Stone Cold. At first I thought this was a drum machine. Incorrect. Know this riff? Yes, I'm from Planet Earth. I'm familiar with the riff. This is Beat It, Michael Jackson, 1983, Thriller. I mean, you're talking over the riff. All right. Now I'm talking over Jacko. Hey, we talked about this very song on cameos, right? So we're we're getting a lot of Beat It on the Perfect Album Side podcast. Eddie Van Halen laying down the guitar solo, but we're talking about the main riff today, Stone Cold. What if I told you? Imagine a world. What if I told you, and I'll see if you're listening to the Cameos episode, what if I told you Eddie Van Halen was not the only big-time star playing on this record? Steve Lukather. We kind of bypassed that on the Cameos episode, but Steve Lukather, the guitarist for Toto. An amazing guitarist in the early 80s, Africa, Rosanna. But if you really want to know what this guy's capable of, 
Dial Up Hold the Line by Toto and listen to that guitar solo. It's filthy, filthy good. He wrote this riff? Yes. And played that? Yes. Okay. He, I think a lot of people, you know, a lot of people know that Michael, or excuse me, Eddie Van Halen yeah. played on this record, but that riff was his. He wrote it. It's and his. Played it. yeah. and, and I don't want to rehash what we talked about on cameos, but Quincy Jones went to Michael Jackson because Quincy Jones heard My Sharona by The Knack and went to Michael Jackson and said, you need to put a rock song on this record. And Jack, Michael Jackson was like, give me a break. I'm not doing that. Well, yada, yada, yada. Beat It became one of the biggest hits on that record. Well, you yada yada over the best part. <laughs> no, I mentioned the bisque. Nice. Uh, this is an incredible riff. The song was number one everywhere, right? But it really is cool because it's an amazing riff, solo artist, but the fact that it's a collaboration from another, from a guitarist is probably not as well known, but the band he was in was very well known. It makes my perfect album side, Stone Cold. I had to do it. I know we just talked about Michael Jackson and Beat It, but, I mean, this is a really, really great guitar song. It is, and that opening riff, again, it's iconic. Everyone knows it. Um, yeah, that's and the fact that it was played by... Um, Steve Lukather. Of Toto. That's very cool. Yeah, so I wanted to make sure this got on the perfect album side. Again, another one that was kind of tough. And I, I, like I said, I looked at Stevie Ray Vaughan. I looked at a couple of others. There, there's Eddie. Uh, but Steve Lukather playing the main guitar riff from Beat It, Michael Jackson Thriller, 1983, makes my perfect album side. So for the second time, basically in a month, Michael Jackson has made the perfect in album three weeks. side. Has he ever won any other awards? Was he in the band before he went solo? I don't know. Had to make it. I, I couldn't deny this. I'm sorry. I went back to the well. But I did it, I'm not ashamed. I'll find Look, any man who disagrees. It's not one of the greatest songs of all time by accident. Yeah. It's every aspect of this song. And that's what we're doing, right? Again, a reminder, this is the perfect album side podcast. It's not Steve and I's favorite song, although this is a great song. It is, it's hard to ignore certain songs if we're going to put together the perfect album side. And I certainly think Beat It deserves. I think the guitar riff deserves it. I think the cameo guitar solo deserves it. I'm unashamed. Iconic guitar riff. And and sometimes you don't think about it when you when you hear Michael Jackson or because he he tends to be a little bit more pop. Yeah. But you don't imagine or don't think about a guitar riff being iconic from a Michael Jackson song. But you know, he tended to lean a little bit more rock. Look at Dirty Diana as you know later in the eighties. That's a great song. That's a one. great song. I love that one. Steve Stevens played that riff. Who is Billy the, Idol's guitarist, right? Who is the guitarist for Billy Idol? Yeah. Even still today. Man. I got too much musical knowledge in my head. I'll be honest. I, I gotta, that's, that's why I can't do math. There's no room up there. <laughs> I was told there was no math on this exam. <laughs> right. Okay, so you went with uh, the opening riff from, from Beat It. Uh, yeah, I like that riff because it's an excellent guitar riff, and it's in a pop song. It's not, you know, it's by an artist who's mainly a pop artist. Yeah. Uh, the next song, well, the next category is the most iconic guitar riff from a number one single. Number one on the Billboard Hot 100, but also an iconic guitar riff. I am so interested in hearing Speaking your song. Speaking of interesting genres and choices. It's La Bamba, of course. This is the 1987 version by Los Lobos off of the La Bamba movie soundtrack. For my money, 
it's an iconic guitar riff. Everyone on earth knows that guitar riff. Yep. Um, I chose the Los Lobos version over the Richie Valens version. Well, A, because it's from the 80s. 80s, right. Those 80s guitarists. But I think the majority of people, you know, our age, or, you know, within 10 years of us, that was the first time they'd heard that song. Yeah. Was the Los Lobos version. Uh, June 20th of 1987, uh, this soundtrack is released. It's originally like a Mexican folk song from the state of Veracruz in Mexico, which, of course, everybody knew that. Of I'm course, sure. please. Uh, again, made famous in 1958 by Richie Valens. It was a top 40 hit for Richie Valens. It was a number one hit for Los Lobos. Huge. And for my money, it doesn't get much more iconic than that opening guitar riff. Yeah, and... You know, it's kind of got that pretty woman look and feel to it to me. You instantly know it even sounds a little bit like it. Good it for does. Los Lobos. I like Los Lobos. Good band, and they, they've got a lot of great music other than just this. There's that There's that category again. You mentioned Pretty Woman, the Roy Orbison cl- classic. Uh, it's funny you say that because I thought the exact same thing. I, I actually listened to Oh Pretty Woman this week. Originally, we were talking about doing all of the, the, yep. the decades. And I, and I heard a lot of similarities there too. I'm, I'm amazed that we both thought that. Yeah, um, but this is a really uh, this is a really good song. Uh, great movie, of course, and, and '80s movies music. Music, you know, this is one that wouldn't qualify if you go back if you dial yeah. it back. Uh, one of the qualifications for that episode of the Perfect Album Side podcast was the, the movie title could not be in right. the song title, which is why it didn't make it. Otherwise, it would have been a great one. But this is an awesome song. It's a fun song. Gets people excited. I. I salute the I salute the selection there, Stone Cold. Uh, number one in the summer of 1987, first U.S. number one hit single that was entirely in Spanish. Uh, the guitarist who recorded this, uh, his name is Cesar Rosas. Uh, I thought we should mention his name. He is the lead guitarist, obviously of Los Lobos, and, and he's he doing kicks this. ass on guitar. By the way, yeah, he can obviously he plays classical guitar, but he can he can play a rock song like nobody's business. Yeah, phenomenal guitarist. Uh, Cesar like he's Rosas. ringing a bell. Yes, that was. I see what you did there. Uh, you know the ultimate. You know, as we've often said, the ultimate um, tribute to any song is when uh, Weird Al Yankovic calls you up. Uh, Weird Al Yankovic <laughs> uh, recorded a parody of this tune called Lasagna. <laughs> I didn't know that. Yes, uh, for those of you that have not heard it, go find Weird Al's Lasagna. It's tremendously awesome. Okay. Yeah, I'll have to do that. I, I, could, I could go for some lasagna. That sounds good. I, I know. I actually could. Uh, we've talked about this before, the new Weird Al biopic, that's the movie that's coming out. I can't wait. I can't believe it. And you know who plays Weird Al? Uh, you told me, but I've already forgotten. Daniel Ratcliffe. Is it Ratcliffe or Ratliff? Ratcliffe, I believe. The Harry Potter. Yes. Unbelievable. Well, I'll look forward to to his version. Some of those Harry Potter royalties might be running out. Okay. Number Stone one Cold. single, best or most iconic riff from a number one single. I went with La Bamba by Los Lobos from 1987. You went with This is this is where if we're looking at the beaten path here, my my next selection selection is a little over here. Okay. But I felt it qualified. And I I learned a lot about a song. Uh by doing the research for this, I think it's still qualified, but I'm going to do it. Can you just hit play? Okay. Do it. 
listen to how it keeps going. When Doves Cry, Prince, Purple Rain, Stone Cold, that's 1984. This is a little bit off the beaten path, as I said. It's a little bit different. But I love that intro. And it's almost a little bit more than a riff. It's a guitar solo. But it's at the very beginning of the song, and when you hear it, you know what's coming. And it just shows you Prince's genius a little bit, that he's putting a bona fide guitar solo that he's playing all by himself in a song that doesn't really go with it. And I thought that's what was unique about it. It's his first number one single, stayed there for five weeks. It recharted in 2016, Stone Cold at number eight. But we're talking about being number one, something I certainly know a lot about. Oh my God. What's crazy and different about this song, it has nothing to do with the rhythm. It has nothing to do with the song. It's an opening riff and that's it. Here's something else, Stone Cold. Go on. What if I told you, imagine the world. There's no bass line in this song. Oh, listen all you want, Big Daddy. There's no bass line. There's some interesting drum things happening. There's some percussion. Yeah. No doubt. But there's no straight up bass. Um, we've done no drums, no problem. Well, from where I sit, no bass, big damn problem. Yeah. Yeah, I can imagine. It's, but I'm not going to argue with Prince. But no bass line. So you often hear songs that have a guitar solo in the beginning, but it's not... It's not the unforgettable, incredible guitar solo that that was that opens this song. It's key of A minor. It's a huge hit for Prince. And it's a different perfect album side entry for me, simply because for this category, you know, some people may say it's not a riff, it's a solo. I'm going with it. I'm standing by it. I mean, this is how the song opens. This is what you hear. This is how the song is introduced. Everyone knows that riff that opens the song, and they know what song it leads to. It's interesting to me that for, for the number one singles, the, the most iconic riff of a number one single, we both went with songs that come from movie soundtracks. Oh, that's Purple Rain and La Bamba. Very true. That's bizarre. Um, okay, a couple of thoughts. Yes, it's a solo. It's the, it's, the, it's the introduction. It's the hook. It's the riff that starts the song. I felt that way. Normally, with a guitar riff, the guitar riff sets the stage for the rest of the song, and the song is based off of that riff. This one, not so much, but it is iconic, and it is the hook that draws you in, and it reminds me of Madonna's Like a Prayer, where he played guitar at the beginning. Remember? We yes, talked about that a few we weeks did. ago. Yes, we did. Um, if you're going to have a perfect album side of guitar riffs and guitar gods and legends we've often said the most underrated guitarist that ever walked the face of the earth is prince yes and i would never argue with prince no i wouldn't either and it's a number one song it was number one for five weeks which is amazing but i I had to go with it um as we're going through this and you just said it you know when we talked about sweet child that riff's played a few different times throughout the course of the song, right? It's almost like the song comes back to it. This is not the case for that. And I thought it was so different, so unique. That's why it made my perfect album set. You took the road less traveled, and it has made all the difference. Yep. I try to do what I can, Stone Cold. That's me, Mr. Unique. All right. Prince. I can't argue with it. 
For the next category, we chose Let's Pick a Riff from a Guitarist Who is No Longer With Us. You know, there are a couple of big names in this category. Um, We're going to have crossover, I bet. A previous Perfect Album Side nominee, I believe, on songs about famous places, even though it's not about a place, it's about a, a car, car, but it talks about Panama. Um, Eddie Van Halen. Incredible opening guitar riff to the song Panama. Um, it's iconic. Undoubtedly iconic. Is it on your Perfect Album Side? It is not my dead guitarist riff. Okay. Uh, obviously, it's Eddie Van Halen. You know, we're not going to have a, a perfect album side about guitar riffs without somehow including Eddie Van Halen. He was on Beat It, but that was the solo yep. and not the riff. He's been mentioned, yeah. Uh, does that count as overlap if I mentioned him? I, I, I think it does, sure. <laughs> so, obviously, it's a huge song. It's it's one of Van Halen's signature songs, if not their, their, you know, the one signature song. Uh off of the album 1984, the summer of 84, June 18th. This one goes only to number 13. It surprised me that this was not a top 10 or top 5 I can't hit. believe that. It's ridiculous. Was Jump, I, I think from 1984, Jump had to be the highest charting song from that record. Uh, I don't know. Has to, I mean, question. I would imagine. Yeah. So there was an interview with Eddie Van Halen. He said the song was, was really inspired by them touring with ACDC in, the, in 1978. You know, you think about the, this particular uh, opening riff, whereas some of the others, you know, whether it's Stevie Ray Vaughan or, or whomever, they're, they're doing plucking and fingering and, and single string notes, whereas this is simply three chords. Yeah. But it's played to perfection, yeah. and it's a hell of a riff. But he learned that from ACDC. Yeah. I mean, you think about some of the ACDC opening riffs, and that's three chords. It's, it's three chords, yeah. yeah. So I thought it was cool that, that he paid a little bit of tribute to ACDC with this song, but uh, an unbelievable song, an unbelievable riff, uh, E major. Um, it's incredible. Yeah, it's that is incredible. And and what's interesting, and we we said this at the beginning of the episode, Stone Cold. Some of the iconic riffs are going to be chords. Right. And most of them have been picking so far. As yeah. I, as I look back through mine. Um, yeah. Everything that I've said so far is picking, but this is a chord, iconic chord riff. Which since, is we're, since we're hearing it right now, I was going to mention the fact that the, 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 the revving sounds that you hear right yeah. there um, are part of Eddie Van Halen's 1972 Lamborghini uh, in the background. And I thought it was interesting that it was his Lamborghini that were making the sounds because we've talked about Eddie Van Halen. I can't believe I'm saying these words. We've discussed Eddie Van Halen's Lamborghini and his mechanic specifically. Yep. Uh, when we talked about how they you know, got David, uh, excuse me, not David Lee Roth, um, Sammy Hagar. Hagar into the band because they... Both shared the same Lamborghini. Episode. They shared the same Lamborghini uh, mechanic. Uh, mechanic, thank you. Do you call a Lamborghini mechanic a mechanic? Isn't he like an artisan? Artist, yes. <laughs> you know, a, a, a painter, doctor, a sculptor. Um, but you know, for the second time, Eddie Van Halen's Lamborghini has come into play on the Perfect Album Side podcast. Not a whole lot to say. It's three chords. It's incredible. It's iconic. Everyone on earth knows. The if we're going to do a podcast episode about iconic guitar riffs you have to include 
Eddie Van Halen. So may he rest in peace. Yes, absolutely. Also, could have yeah, go ahead uh, on a number of categories. There. Yeah, absolutely. Um, All right, that was my uh, most iconic riff by a guitarist who is no longer with us. What is yours? Uh, my dead guitarist riff is not by a lead singer or someone who the band's named after. It's it's uh, the guitarist who's no longer living from 1980. bit like beat it you gotta get through some muck before you get to the riff despite any rumors to the contrary did you hear that fiber slap you have one i do stone cold that's randy rhodes he would have turned 65 years old last december damn but we talked about sweet child of mine this is as iconic as it gets in all of music and and i mean that that's not sensationalized that opening riff to Crazy Train by Ozzy Osbourne off the Blizzard of Oz album, which is one of my favorite album names ever. Say Blizzard, of, Blizzard Oz. of Oz. Yeah, that's perfect. Okay. It's it's as iconic as it gets, just like Sweet Child, just like Panama. Okay. But today's Did You Know, Rhodes, Randy Rhodes, Go on. was a founding member of Quiet Riot. I didn't know that. I didn't either. Wow. So if you ask me, did you know that before you did this? No, I didn't. I feel like I've learned something on the Perfect Album side I had no podcast. clue. Metal Health, Stone Cold. He wasn't on that record, the Come On, Feel the Noise record. He was long gone out of there, but that was one of the first cassettes I ever owned. But what he did do was write the opening riff to Crazy Train. Well, he and Chipper Jones both wrote it. I was going to say, this uh, Crazy Train by Ozzy Osbourne has been a previous Perfect Album Side nominee on our, our Sports Anthems episode. That's right. As you talked about Chipper Jones' walk-up song for the Atlanta Braves for 20 years. Uh, maybe at least top two switch, switch hitters of, of all, all time. time. No doubt. Um, and to be in a category with Mickey Mantle is never bad. But how can you not like Crazy Train? All right. Here's another thing about this song that I really like. And, and, and I'm telling you, something's going to come out of this, but a signature instrument. All right. He had he had the, the uh, what do you call it? Like the Vortex Les Paul design with the yellow and black circles in it. Okay. Um, that was his guitar. Everybody knows it. And it is an instantly recognizable riff. Stood the test of time. You know, Randy Rhodes died in a plane crash in 1982. It's a little bit of a gruesome story. What is it with plane crashes and musicians? I, I don't know. It's, it's the second time we've talked about that. Stevie Ray Vaughan. Well, that was a helicopter, but yeah. Oh, okay. Uh, air travel. Air travel. Uh, aircraft of some sort. But it's a little bit of a gruesome story. I won't go into Thank it. Thank you. Check into it. But it certainly shook the guitar world. He wrote this at the age... He died at the age of 25. He wrote this when he was 23. That's sick. I mean, that's like... I'm sorry, I'll say it. That's McCartney and Harrison and Lennon type strata. Bold words. I know, I'm sorry, but he wrote this when he was 23. Gone too, stu- gone too soon, Stone Cold, but his legacy remains in so many different ways, but perhaps none bigger than one of the most recognizable guitar riffs. This was in 1980, so it barely made the cutoff, Stone Cold. Most re- one of the most recognizable guitar riffs in history. Crazy Train from Blizzard of Oz makes my perfect album side. And well, it should. I mean, it is one of the most iconic guitar riffs uh, of any decade, not just the 80s. Yeah. Um, phenomenal selection. Yeah. I, I. Everybody knows it. I mean, I'm sorry. I say that over and over again. <laughs> That's gone stale, but it, you, you, it's true. 
You know that riff. That's ridiculously recognizable. You know it. We're going to have to start a game called the Perfect Album Side Podcast Bingo. We're little sayings <laughs> that we use yes. all the time. I use you know. the same ones every episode. Yeah, we'll have to do that. Now, everybody at home can play along. Yep. So we'll get that out there. And the winner will get a free oven mitt. Dead guitarist. I went with Eddie Van Halen's Panama. You went with Ozzy Osbourne's Crazy Train performed by Randy Rhodes. Uh, That's going to be a tough decision when we get into the lab. On the next category, this is a wild card. Anything goes. As long as it's from the 80s and it's a guitar riff, anything goes. Are we ready? I think I'm ready. Okay. Uh, This one was a no-brainer for me. It had to be on the perfect album side of iconic riffs. I mean, not a whole lot needs to be said, in my opinion. This, this to me, is maybe the most recognizable guitar riff of all time, in my opinion. Yeah, we've talked about this, I think, on sports anthems. But the thing I like most about Start Me Up off of Tattoo You is how it starts. Richard's just, he plays those opening two or three chords and just lets it sit for a minute. Yeah, and lets everyone get excited about it. They know what's coming. There's a pregnant pause there. That's it's oh, so very grammatical, Stone Cold. Thank you. Uh, a couple of intriguing things I learned about this song, which I did not know until this week. Uh, it was originally written back in 1977. This is off of 1981's Tattoo You. Mm-hmm. They tried to put it on uh, some, girls some girls in 1977, yeah. and I didn't know this. They, did it, they recorded it about 23 times for that album, but couldn't get it right. But it wasn't a rock song. It was a reggae song. I didn't know this. So the, there are all these takes, take and take and take of them playing a reggae song. Keith Richards, a huge reggae fan, wanted to write a reggae song. And after doing so many takes, Charlie Watts just started putting a backbeat and a rock beat behind it as opposed to a reggae beat. And they had one or two recordings of that, you know, in the vault. Yeah. So when it came time to record uh, the Tattoo You sessions, uh, the producer said, hey, what? let's go back. Remember that rock take you took of Start Me Up? Let's play around with that for a little while. Six hours later, it was done. Incredible. Voila. Music yeah. history was made. Yeah, I just, I, I had no idea that this was originally a reggae song. I didn't either. That's pretty cool. Uh, it went to number two on the Billboard Hot 100 on Halloween Day, 1981. Can you name the song? I knew, I was about, about to, I was going to ask you, what was the number one song? Is it, uh, you'll never get it. I, I, I'm thinking 1981, early 80s, is it Roxanne? Is it, uh, it's from a movie. It's Arthur's theme. Oh, by Christopher Cross. Christopher Cross, the best that you can do. Yeah. Held this song out of the number one spot, which I thought was amazing. That's not bad. Uh, Open G tuning, um, similar to what he did with Honky Tonk Women, uh, which we've talked about on the Perfect Album side. The most iconic riff of all time, in my opinion. Yeah. I mean, uh, of all time? Okay, top three. But to me, it doesn't get much bigger than that one. Um... And, and that's what's so cool about the Stones, right? They had they were very diverse in their music, but they had a couple of songs where the intro or the riff, the main riff, was so unforgettable and iconic. I mean, Satisfaction, 
has got to be on the list somewhere. Of course. Yeah. Uh, brown sugar, perhaps jump Jack flash, but I, I, I can't argue with you, man. This is, uh, this is awesome. And it's still, it's still played today. We talked about it in every, yep. every arena. Every time a game starts, this game is played. Chris Kimsey, who was the engineer of this song, recalled in his book, uh, Classic Tracks, The Real Stories Behind 68, uh, by Richard Buskin, said after they cut it, um, he said, you know, that's, that's, that's bloody great. Come and have a listen. However, when I played back for Keith, he said, nah, it sounds like something I've heard on the radio before. Just wipe it. He goes, of course, I didn't, but he really did not like it, and I'm not sure that he likes it to this day. <laughs> I, I don't think it's one of his favorite That's songs. regret and guilt right there. <laughs> Although it's obviously everyone's favorite guitar riff, his guitar riff. Uh, maybe because Keith loves reggae so much, he wanted it to be a reggae song, but it wasn't, and he just what didn't like it. So I thought that was amazing that, you know, the engineer says Keith did not like that song. Uh, Tattoo You was the eighth consecutive Stones album to hit number one in the United States, but it was also their last. That's unbelievable. Eight consecutive number one albums. But they haven't had one since 1981. Start me up, Keith Richards, The Rolling Stones, uh, iconic riff. That was my wild card. And my final selection for the perfect album side. Oh, wow. Uh, We are about to break new ground on the perfect album side podcast. And I don't know how this is going to be handled, but we're going to do uh it anyway. Uh oh. this song was on my perfect album side i didn't say no i just said it wasn't on that category yeah look what you did i'm trying to protect myself yeah um not much else i can say besides what you already said um you know written about a car and revving up the lambo of course we heard that literally putting a microphone into the exhaust pipe not a banana but the video itself was directed by peter angelus who was famous for being a big time band manager go ahead the black crows yes he also was responsible for the Jimmy Page and the Black Crows live at the Greek Theater success. But Stone Cold, we're talking about the riff, one of the most famous in rock and roll. This was going to be on my perfect album side. I mean, I don't know what category. It could have fit multiple categories. It was going to be on my perfect album side. Now, the only thing I can add to what Stone Cold said earlier is, you know, again, a signature instrument. We're talking about the 5150 Beretta made by Kramer. Also, Cosmo Kramer? (laughs) Spelled the same. But Eddie Van Halen's guitar, Frankenstein. Now, what's so interesting about this, we're talking about signatures, whether it's an instrument, whether it's a hat, whether it's a glove, whether it's a uh, the Les Paul by Randy Rhodes. You know, these, these massive superstar guitarists all have their signatures, and I think that's really cool. Now, one other thing. 5150 seems to be popping up everywhere. The 5150 Beretta that he plays, Frankenstein, his famous guitar. Mm-hmm. 5150 is also the name of Van Halen's seventh album. 5150 is also the name of Eddie Van Halen's studio. It's also currently my waist size. <laughs> okay. Uh, every record they recorded from 1984 onward and the record recorded by Wolfgang, Wolfgang Van Halen yeah. was recorded at 5150. So what's the deal? I mean, 5150 is the California police code for involuntary psychiatric hold. <laughs> I didn't know that. I That's didn't fascinating. Either. So okay. if you hear a policeman in California say, we've got a 5150, it means they're taking someone against their will and putting them in a mental hospital. So they have two albums that are named after 
police codes or law, oh. you know, the, the oh, f- four, unlaw- well, four unlawful or carnal knowledge. Oh. Yeah. Well, we know what that means. Yes. Uh, what's interesting is 5150 came to Van Halen's attention when their uh, engineer, Don Landy, who helped engineer Beat It by yeah. Michael Jackson, overheard that. And um, ever since then, it's become part of Van Halen lore. Stone Cold, Panama, Van Halen, 1984, Eddie Van Halen and Frankenstein makes my wild card riff. Perfect album side nominee. Uh, we'll see where we go from here with that. All right. Um, honorable mentions. Before we get into the lab and debate this to death, uh, you know, some honorable mentions that I thought of. I'll let you play a couple. I'll play a couple. Yeah. But, I mean, we talked about Sweet Child of Mine. I gave this one massive consideration, too. Yeah. Welcome to the jungle, of course. Um, yep. Um, also on, on honorable mention, Hair Band. Uh, that one had to get some, some love. Uh, Motley Cruz Kickstart My Heart. Also, honorable mention for number one song. Okay. I Love Rock and Roll by Joan Jett and the Black Hearts. Uh, those were two or three of mine that I, I, I gave a lot of consideration to, but ultimately did not make my perfect album. So. Um, a couple of mine. Um, this is debut album riff. Got to get through the drums. Song one, side one. Girls on film? Girls on film. That was one of mine. Um, another one of mine, I did Kickstart My Heart. I also did this one for Solo Artist. Yeah. 1989, just barely made the cut. Tom Petty. Uh, Stone Cold Dead Guitarist category. Oh, Steve Clark. I didn't even think about Steve Clark. Uh, and what a if great it, riff that is. If it wasn't for, for Randy Rhodes' Crazy Train, I, that would have made it. Um, and Pride and Joy, Stevie Ray was a dead guitarist, honorable mention. And then uh, Wild Card, I don't have this one teed up, but Wild Card uh, was uh, Radioactive by The Firm. The guitarist is Jimmy Page. It was a number one hit for The Firm. you got to work Jimmy in there somehow. You know I'm going to. You Uh, know I'm going to. So uh, let's see. I, the Tiger Survivor, number one single. Before we go any further, I do have a surprise for you. What? On the phone, we're about to talk with Jimmy Page. Yeah, well, I'll be sitting down thinking about baseball for the next three days if that really happens. (laughs) Uh, a talk dirty to me, poison, hairband riff. Uh, I think I covered all of them. All right. Uh, the, one one more that I, I forgot to mention that I, I certainly thought should be talked about. Every breath you take doesn't really get the credit it deserves as a guitar riff, but it is a guitar riff, and it's it's no, it's clear, extremely iconic. Yeah, all right, Summers, that's awesome. Let us build. The perfect album. Put on your lab coat and your safety goggles. Of 1980s iconic guitar riffs. Debut album riff was the first category. We both went with Sweet Child of Mine. Easy. By GNFNR and Slash. So that is on the perfect album side. Uh, If I may. You may. You handed me your parchment. Yeah. uh, To our listeners, at the end of every perfect album side, before we put the perfect album side together, we each hand each other a list of songs that are on our perfect album side. Steve handed me his, and on the very first one, it says, Debut Album Riff, Sweet Child O' Mine, G-N-F-N-R. <laughs> That's just how I write their name. So. so when you said that, I was reading along, and you really wrote G-N-F-N-R. That's... <laughs> oh, Steve. 
<sighs> Hairband riff yes. was the second category. And once again, we both went with Wanted, Dead or Alive by Bon Jovi, Richie Sambora and John Bon Jovi doing the riff. Uh, then we started to change things up. On the third category was Best Riff by a Solo Artist. I went with Pride and Joy by Stevie Ray Vaughan. You went with Beat It by Michael Jackson and Steve Luthiger from the band Toto. That's right. Uh, you going to put Steve Luthiger over Stevie Ray Vaughan? I, no, I'm definitely not. I didn't I'm think you say would. Pride and Joy. Pride and Joy by Stevie Ray Vaughan has made the perfect album side. Then we went number one single. Uh, I went with Los Lobos La Bamba. Uh, Winfrey went with When Doves Cry by Prince. Uh, what do you want to do here, man? Uh, I love Los Lobos. Like I said, I, I've, I listen to their music. It's actually really good. Their music off of the Bull Durham soundtrack is pretty incredible also. But and not to toot my horn, um, I, I, When Doves Cry, Prince, no baseline, such a unique song. Eight or five weeks at number one, a recharted in the top ten. I'm I, I go when doves cry. It's unique for this for what we're talking about today. It's unique at a guitar riff to be up front. I wanted to bring up La Bamba because I thought it should be talked about. No, it's awesome. I'm not going to put Los Lobos's La Bamba version of La Bamba, which was already done. They yeah. didn't write it. Uh, I'll give you when doves cry uh, by Prince. You earned it. <laughs> this is going. I'm be not giving you anything. All right, for the for the guitarist who is no longer with us, the dead guitarist category, I chose uh, Van Halen, uh, Panama. You chose Ozzy Osbourne's Crazy Train with Randy Rhodes. Crazy Train is the correct answer. I will concede, absolutely. I have a feeling we'll be able to work out a deal on this one. That's kind of where I was going as the last uh, category was a wild card. I chose Start Me Up by the Stones, which I think is one of the more famous uh, anthems of all time or uh, iconic riffs. But we're putting Panama oh, by Van Halen. Eddie Van Halen's going to be on the perfect album side. No the, doubt about it. And his Lamborghini exhaust pipe. The perfect album side of iconic 1980s guitar riffs goes like this. Sweet Child of Mine by GNFNR slash Wanted, Dead or Alive, the acoustic riff by Richie Sambora and John Bon Jovi. Uh, Pride and Joy by Stevie Ray Vaughan. Just awesome. Uh, when Doves Cry, the opening solo slash riff by Prince yep. from When Doves Cry. Um, Crazy Train by Ozzy Osbourne and Randy Rhodes on guitar. And last but by no means least, Panama by Edward Van Halen. That's exactly right. 5150, baby. I uh, challenge those of you listening to come up with more iconic 1980s guitar riffs than those six. Can't be done. Cannot be done. Cannot be done. It's perfect. No, that's and it's an album side. Therefore, it is a perfect, perfect album, album side. side. If you are out there in the podcast listening world and you have decided we are wrong, may I suggest you go to Twitter, you go to the Instagram, you go to Facebook, and let us know about it. You'll be wrong, of course, but we'll still listen. But we're happy to give you a forum. Um, I'll also say this. Hey guys, we're coming up on a year anniversary of doing this podcast and and it's so much fun, but Steve and I look at the analytics, we look at the listeners every day and we're hitting new milestones every day. Thank you so much for listening to the Perfect Downside podcast. I can't tell you how much fun it is to do what we do um, and talk about great music. It is a really, really cool gig. I'm thankful for Steve and everything he does, but thank you so much to our listeners all around the world. And I mean that, all around the world to help us hit these milestones that we're, uh, that we're cresting each and every day. So a big hats off to our listeners and keep on rocking. 
And if you feel it, keep on rocking. Was that, I, I, I that felt was, like that was kind of stupid. Wow. Keep on okay. rocking. Hey, and if you want to do us a favor, tell a friend. Send a, sing, send a link to our podcast to a friend. Start building your own perfect album sides. That's all I got today, my man. And that's, I think that's, I don't think we can ask for much more than that, Stone Cold. That's 100%. Leave it all in the field today. Great episode. A lot of fun. Thank you, man. Later, dude. This has been the perfect album side. See you next time.